Welcome to the Art of Humanity with Jessica Ann. Listen for fresh perspectives with artists, leaders, authors, and entrepreneurs. Explore creativity and consciousness. Evolve your business with the Art of Humanity. Now, here's your host, Jessica Ann. another episode of the art of humanity where we explore creativity and consciousness to allow you and your business to evolve today i'm thrilled to have with me mark schaefer mark schaefer is a globally recognized author speaker educator and business consultant who blogs at grow grow is one of the top marketing blogs of the world he teaches graduate marketing classes at rutgers university and has written four best-selling books including the tao of twitter the best-selling book on twitter in the world and the return on influence which was named one of the top business titles of the year by the American Library Association. His most recent book is called Content Code, which I had the pleasure of reading recently. Mark, I am so excited to be talking with you. I came across your work a few years ago when I was first starting my blog and my business. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that jumped out to me about you was that you're just so practical, you're insightful, (laughs) you're funny, and you're just so human. You find a way to weave yourself into your writing in such a way that offers insights, yet you're so humble. There's really an art to your approach. So I have to wonder, were you always this human, for lack of a better word, or did you eventually grow into becoming this more compassionate person as your business evolved? Well, that's a really good question. Uh, And it's, it's a complex answer, really, because I would say that I have always been a very, very uh, caring uh, and nurturing person. Even as a child, I was always involved in community work. Uh, Even when I was in high school, I was like mentoring uh, children in Appalachia. Uh, So I was always really involved and tuned in to the world and, and wanting to give back in a, a different way. Something really interesting happened to me. Um, I joined the, the corporate world. And uh, what happened along the way is a lot of that heart kind of got beat out of me. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I to mean, the rest of us. <laughs> and and um, it wasn't necessarily a bad thing because I think it made me a more balanced person. I, it, 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 you know, I had to be more analytical. I had to look at dollars and cents and spreadsheets and business results. And I can remember there was this turning point where I was working uh, with a customer and I was on the phone with my boss and I said, we had a problem with a customer. And I said, but this is the right thing to do. He said, I don't care what the right thing is to do. What do the numbers say? And and it occurred to me at that time that, you know, he was right. I I needed to be more analytical. And I I think I kind of maybe shifted too far to that side. When I started my business, uh, I I started consulting and teaching. And I knew to do this, I needed to immerse myself in social media. And I kind of brought that more analytical side to to the blog at first. And um, honestly, uh, it, it, it was boring. And I was bored. I became bored. <laughs> and I, then I started to relax. And I started to have 
the courage really to start to show more of myself, more of my personality, more of my humor, more of my, uh, you know, kind of uh, nurturing, let's say, nature, more of the aspect of my personality as a teacher. And once I had the courage to really be human, to really um, be myself and relax, that's when everything shifted. Because instead of finding my target audience, my target audience found me. I found the right group of people who was attracted to me as a person and to what I was bringing to the blog and bringing to the world. And that was a huge shift. So, you know, it wasn't, uh, it didn't turn on a dime. I'm still learning. I'm still evolving. Um, but that was a big, that was a big change. You're a little bit less analytical as a, you know, just as authentically you. And then you kind of had to bring that analytical side to you as you started working in the corporate world. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I am, I mean, I'm kind of right-brained and left-brained. I'm almost kind of like equal in those measures. I can be very analytical. Uh, I can be very creative. <laughs> um, my, my, uh, remarkably, both of my kids are, are kind of the same way. And uh, I've got a son who's a musician, very creative, but is also a computer coding geek. So, I mean, he can kind of go either way. And... Um, you know, what I, I, I thought when I when I was starting out is what the world expected of me was to be all, you know, corporate and proper and analytical. But that isn't really what's rewarded on the web. And so I've kind of made that a major theme of my communications and all of my speeches. Uh, I'd say the, the, for the last three years, I end my speech with the idea that being more human is the killer app. No matter what they throw at us in terms of technology, social media, whatever the marketing trend is, I think the company that can figure out how to, I shouldn't say just company, but any organization or any person trying to be successful uh, in, in the world today um, has to relate to people on, uh, on a human basis. That's not easy to scale. And it, it, and it takes courage to do that. But I think that's what we're seeing. Um, I think that's the real key to success. It does take courage to scale. And in your book, you talk about the concept of ideas and how, and I quote, the best predictors of buzz were in the brain regions associated with social cognition, thoughts about other people. Mm. If those regions lit up when something was heard, people were more likely to talk about the idea enthusiastically and the idea would keep spreading. Mm -hmm. And then you go on to advise readers to create content that only you can create. Mm -hmm. And when I write guest posts for you on your blog, that's what you advise all of your guest posters to do. Mm -hmm. And it makes complete sense because when you create content in this way with intention behind your communication, you're not just creating content for the sake of it, but rather it's an expression of your values. So I'm interested in learning more about your values. What do you focus on at your core with the content for your business so that you can create the content that only you can write? Well, I, uh, I can remember helping my daughter with her homework when she was about 13 years old. And she turned to me and she said, Daddy, you should be a teacher because you can explain this so well. I can't understand it in school, but I can always ex understand it whenever you explain it to me. 
And uh, one of my goals ever since I was a young man really was eventually someday to teach at the university level. And I've been very fortunate to be able to do that at Rutgers. And I think at my core, in everything I do, I'm a teacher. I've been so blessed to have so many wonderful experiences in my life. I've, I've got to visit and work in 54 different countries. I have two master's degrees. I've worked with some of the most amazing people and the most amazing companies uh, in the world. And I'm at a point in my life where my reward and I get a great deal of joy from helping people, from mentoring young people and entrepreneurs and people in career transition. And so that's really, I think, one of the core values that that you find in everything that I do, whether I'm writing a book, uh, whether I'm giving a speech, writing a blog post, or teaching a class. I'm helping and nurturing people through, uh, through teaching. Um, I was asked recently, I've written five books in five years, and, and they said, wow, that's just amazing that you've been able to do that. You know, why are you doing that? What's, what's the plan? And I said, I, I, I've had no plan. It hasn't been a goal to write a book every single year. I don't know if I'll ever write another one. I mean, I probably will, but it, I don't have a plan right now. And the reason I write a book is because there's a big question that people need help with that I can't answer in a blog post. It's something big. And so for the new book, Content Code, I mean, the question is, I am working as hard as I can. I'm following all these rules. I'm creating great content. I'm building my audience and nothing is happening. Why? And that's the answer that the book provides, or at least I try to provide. And uh, people seem to be loving it. Uh, I'm getting so many wonderful comments about the book. So it is helping them. And I'm, I'm, I studied this. I did research on this. I interviewed 50 people for the book. And then this is my way of teaching people now what I've found out. And in your book, you do talk about this a little bit in the sense that you advise readers to run your business in a way that demonstrates mutual respect, gratitude, enduring trust, and dare I say it, love. Mm -hmm. love, <laughs> love is not a word that's usually embraced by businesses. So how mm -hmm. can you create unyielding loyalty without it? And then mm -hmm. you say maybe love is the ultimate killer app. You know, mm -hmm. going off mm -hmm. of what you said earlier about humanity mm -hmm. being the ultimate killer app. Mm -hmm. So I love this part of your book. And coming from you, someone who has your feet firmly planted on the ground, it means a lot. Why, why love, Mark? You know, I'm really glad that you pointed out that part of the book. You're the first person that has. And, and, and I love that because that is a really important part of the book. And I can remember distinctly when I was writing it that I was just on a roll. You could probably uh, just, you could read my words and hear the passion coming through to say, look, we have got to break through and, and we've got to connect with people in, 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 in ways that are, are, are true and meaningful. And and so I wrote that, and I thought, oh, my gosh, that's really kind of out there. <laughs> and I looked at it, and I looked at it, and I thought, you know what? I, I'm going to keep it in there for now. You know, I'll come back to that later. And uh, I decided to keep it in there because I believe so strongly in that. 
And I think it's one of my favorite parts of the book. Um, it's, it's, I mean, a lot of the book is, I, I tried to be very scientific about what I'm recommend, recommending. I, I, I tried to back it up with, with research, good research, solid research that's available out there. Um, and, and there aren't that many places in the book where I really insert my strong passion um, but that was one of the places, and I'm glad that came through. Yeah, I love it. You come across, in some of your posts, you do come across as a very introspective person. One of my favorite posts of yours is where you describe your quote-unquote glorious unfolding. <laughs> <laughs> and you reflect kind of back on the person who you were at 24 years old compared to who you are now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your passions seem to be driving you. And I know you don't really talk about that a lot in your business books, but I'm just curious, what are some other activities or beliefs or things that help to keep you grounded? Well, I mean, I think first and foremost, it's just, um, you know, I'm at a place in my life where I have a very keen idea of where I fit. Um, you know, it's in this whole social media marketing scene and the internet in general, let's say, um, it's easy to be knocked off center by the latest hype, by competition in followers or Twitter likes or clout scores or whatever. I was in a conversation today about a, a guy who's created an exclusive dinner club based on your clout score. Oh, please, really? So <laughs> there's, there, there's, yeah, and it's, 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 it's taken off. He's, he's franchising it in cities. Wow. So, I mean, you know, whatever works. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But, um, you, you know, I, I just, uh, I know what my place is in the world and I know what's important. And uh, I try not to be swayed uh, by all that. I think I'm fairly uh, successful. I try to block all that stuff out. If people get a little too shrill, you know, I try to, um, you know, block that kind of stuff out. Um, and, you know, I didn't plan for this to happen, but my, my, my presence on the web uh, has gone up, up, up. And in certain situations and when I go to certain events, uh, some people consider me a celebrity, which is very awkward for me. But that is something that exists in somebody's mind. So there's nothing I can really do about it. But, I mean, I know where I fit, you know, and, and I... You know, I, I have to concentrate on being a father, on being a husband. I give back to the community. I'm doing some important work uh, really on a global scale with some different charitable agencies uh, that I don't talk about at all. Uh, I do work on a local level by mentoring uh, inner city children. I've been doing that every single week for seven years, which I you know, I'll, I'll put a picture out there once in a while of some of those things that I do um, because I, I just want to send a message that this is something important. This is part of my values. Maybe you guys ought to think about doing something like this, too. Um, so I just think that um, at this point in my life, I, I'm, I'm just grounded. I mean, I just I just feel very centered, comfortable in, in who I am and very clear in uh, in where I fit in the world and I don't get I don't get knocked off center by the haters I don't get knocked off center by the lovers I don't get knocked off center by critics uh, or 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 hype and I just kind of keep my nose down and 
try to do good work, try to keep, try to treat people with kindness and respect. I don't always succeed. Sometimes I'm grumpy. <laughs> Sometimes I'm tired when I'm responding to people at two in the morning because I respond to every single comment on my blog. But, uh, you know, so I try. I, I try. I, I try my best to 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 you know to show uh, who I am, and um, you know, without uh, a lot of uh, fanfare, just by by acting in a very centered way. Do you ever feel like you're sharing too much of yourself, or you feel like you're you know almost being too vulnerable? And and how do you continue to stay grounded when you are you know? Uh, working with so many different people and communicating, you have such a large community. How do you continue to stay centered? I know that you said, I know where I fit in on the web, and that's mm -hmm. crucial. But, you know, what else do you do to really continue to, to stay in your sense of your true self? Well, um, the question about vulnerability is very interesting because, you know, as you know, and as you already mentioned, I mean, when people write for me, I encourage them to write something they, they can only write. Um, and that requires a certain amount of vulnerability to, you know, to insert their voice, insert their story into the post. Um, you know, I, I consider myself a, a relatively private person. I mean, I don't share as much on Facebook as, as, you know, as most people do, I can't believe the things that a lot of people share. <laughs> you know, I, I hardly ever share things about my personal life or about my wife. You know, I post a picture of my wife, like maybe at the most, maybe once a month again, but, but it's kind of strategic to communicate. Um, I'm happily married. I want to send that vibe that, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a married person. Uh, I'm happy. Uh, you know, this is my family. Uh, you know, so I, I mean, there, I, I, I just, insert enough that people can see I'm a, I'm a real person, I'm a human. And then, you know, once in a while, I'll, I'll do something kind of bold. I would say I, I haven't gone back and calculated, but if I had to guess, it's probably once a quarter. Mm -hmm. uh, that seems about right to me. I'll write a blog post like the glorious unfolding post that you mentioned, or, you know, I wrote, I, I gave a speech in Boston last fall uh, called How Blogging Saved My Life. And the, it, it was a speech I said I would only give one time. And the reason that I did it was because there's this, this, this statistic that I saw that, that haunts me, that 30% of the people on Facebook, when they look at their news feed, the overwhelming emotion that they feel is jealousy. Mm. And that makes me deeply sad it's understandable because we present our shiny best selves on Facebook. But, you know, when you get this steady diet of perfect children and perfect, you know, decoration in your house and perfect food and perfect vacations and the perfect wife and blah, 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 you just can't help but think, oh, my God, you know, I suck. You know, why can't I be like that? And so always in, in my mind, I mean, I get to go to some cool places. I meet cool people. But you know what? I've been working at this for 30 years, and I don't want people to feel jealous. And so I decided one time I was really going to let her rip. And I gave this talk, and I described the very dark spaces in my life. And I talked about the incredible pain I've been through uh, in, in, in my life, where I felt hopeless. I felt despair. 
I felt uncontrollable rage. I felt these very, very intense emotions that, you know, hopefully uh, many people won't have to experience. But, you know, we're all equal in our human condition of suffering. To be human is to suffer. And how we deal with that suffering ultimately defines us as, as humans. And I wanted to show, look, I've been there. You know, I've, I've been to the very bottom. This isn't all just glory and fun and games and, and glamour and traveling around the world. That I had to, you know, I had to suffer. I have suffered. I had to fight, fight, fight to get back to, you know, a place of stability again. And so I just, I, I wanted to do that one time. I don't want to dwell on it. I don't want to, you know, keep talking about it, but I wanted to do it one time so people can say, I, it's, it's something I can point to, to when people say, oh, I want to be like you. I can say, hey, read this first <laughs> <laughs> or go, go listen to that speech first before you say that. Oh my gosh. I remember that blog post and I really resonated with that one because blogging saved my life too. And just knowing that, you know, you kind of came from that similar background gives people hope that might be in a similar space. You know, I, when I first started blogging, I, I was laid off. I had no hope at that point. And I just started sharing my ideas and putting myself out there because that was the only thing I could do. It literally saved my life mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I, at the time I was coming from a really, really depressed place and there was no hope in my future. <laughs> um, so it's just so inspiring when you can share kind of that side of you that people don't see that often because it really connects. There's a lot of people who are suffering, you know, right now, despite yeah. what it looks like on Facebook. And when you can show, you know, that side of you, you don't, you don't always want to talk about it like you mentioned, but when you show that, you know, you, you do have struggles, you are human, um, people can really connect with that and it'll give them the strength that they need to run their business successfully or get to that next level. I mean, I think there's a certain amount of power in that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as I mentioned in, in, the, in, in, my, in the post that I wrote about that speech is that, it, you know, it, in a way, the silver lining is it, it just kind of gave me these new superpowers that, you know, when, well, I'll give you an example. After I gave the speech in Boston, this lady came up to me and she was sobbing, just sobbing uncontrollably. Mm. And she said, I'm going through the same thing right now. Mm. And I didn't know who she was, never saw her before. And I just, I just walked up to her and just held her. Oh, my gosh. And I still don't know who it was. I wish I wish I knew who it was. I wish I knew her name, uh, so I could kind of see how she's doing. But I, there was nothing else to do, but to share my concern and my compassion, and just hold her. And she just sobbed in front of hundreds of people. Uh, you know, after my after my talk, and quite a few people came up to me afterwards and said that that had a powerful impact on them. So I think, you know, I'm, I don't do a lot of self disclosure. I'm not vulnerable for the sake of being vulnerable, but I think there is power in that in in connecting with people, and as part of really my mission to to help and teach. Especially when there's a big Mark Shaver hug that comes out of it. <laughs> it's a sweet story. <laughs> so, just shifting a little bit, um, I 
I listened to one of your recent podcasts, and you mentioned that there's um, a strategy of the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania Patriot News. Mm. And we're seeing a decline in newspapers in cataclysmic ways. And mm. the story that you shared was pretty fascinating to me. They went mm -hmm. from a daily newspaper to three days a week to really mm -hmm. emphasize the digital news. Mm -hmm. And they publish on social media first. Mm -hmm. And when they get breaking news, then they do digital second. And then they mm -hmm. curate the best stories for their paper version. Mm -hmm. It's a great success story. But at the same time, when I hear these kinds of stories, I often think about kind of this dystopic future that, we're, that we might be heading into, sort of this Ray Bradbury Fahrenheit 451 um, where his book presents a future American society where books are outlawed and all mm. books are burned that are found. Not to get too dramatic or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm just curious, do you think that the future of publishing is optimistic or do you think that there's this potential where all of the good ideas that exist in paper will get suppressed? I, I think... I think the future of publishing is is very bright, but I think the definition of publishing is is really uh, probably worthy of another thirty or forty minute uh, discussion. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the positive aspect is, and I, I I'm glad you mentioned this success in in Harrisburg because I started out as a journalism major, and I love. The, the press. I love news. I, I, we need to have reporters. We need to have journalists for our, for, you know, our, for democracy to, to succeed. And so I get concerned when I see that newspapers aren't making it and they're laying people off. So this was such a bright spot for me. This was so inspiring to see Harrisburg turning it around. And they're actually spending more money on political reporting than they did three years ago. So, I mean, yay, you know, you go, hooray for Harrisburg. <laughs> um, that's the positive. The negative is that the biggest, some, I mean, probably the biggest trend in publishing right now is to generate advertising through page views. And serious reporting doesn't necessarily generate page views. And a very disturbing example of that is there's this website called Salon, which is kind of uh, um, serious, uh, long-form content and op-ed. And they did something playful last year after the Oscars when uh, John Travolta butchered, uh, uh, what's her, Indina Menzel. I think that's how you pronounce her name. So mm -hmm. I, may, I might have butchered it too. <laughs> so she's a Broadway star and a great um, songstress. And so he butchered the introduction. So the next day, they created this little app called Travoltify Your Name. <laughs> so now this is a serious website. That was the biggest day, the biggest spike of traffic they ever had in the history of their website. So what does that say? You got to do stupid quizzes and travoltify your name to build the traffic, not something that's serious. So, you know, I, I think great institutions like the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal will never really fall into that trap. They can't. Uh, just, I just can't imagine it. But the fact of the matter is the silly stuff is what drives page views, It what is what drives advertising. And I have a concern that publishing will turn to this lowest common denominator of content in order to make the dollars to keep people working. Would you say it's like the buzz feeds of the world and, and yeah, really exactly. there's, 
you know, clickbait type of headlines yeah. that get people there to do silly things and to really just mm -hmm. waste their time on social media. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly so, right. Um, on the other end of that spectrum of silliness <laughs> is podcasting. And it's really a, it's a broadcast mechanism that people are getting emotionally attached to. Um, and it's sort of been a roller coaster type of media. And it was big. I remember it being huge around like 2009 or so. And then it subsided a little bit. And now we're again in the second wave of podcasting. Um, and there's really like more of a sense of meaning and substance behind it. Why do you think that audio podcasting is so big? And what are your thoughts on the future of podcasting? Well, um, I, I think that uh, it, it's growing now really for three reasons. Number one is that we're getting critical mass with people owning smartphones. So more or less, you're carrying an internet radio device in your pocket, uh, which is you know different than the way it was three to five years ago. Um, the second advantage is that um, you can multitask while listening to a podcast. So you can't read a blog post while you're driving. It might be difficult to do it while you're, you're jogging, uh, but you can listen. So you can listen to a, a podcast. And the third reason I think is growing now, it's not necessarily that podcasting is, has changed. I think that people learn in different ways. They learn in by reading, they learn by watching videos, they might learn by listening. And so uh, there, you know, there's lots of opportunities to read. YouTube has exploded be, uh, and has become mainstream entertainment uh, because people love to watch things and that's how they learn. And I think one of the reasons that podcasting is growing is because it's been an underserved form of learning and entertainment. And so I don't think, you know, podcasting is necessarily getting better or changing. I think it's just been underserved. Now we've got the critical mass of the underlying technology to kind of make it happen. And so it's just, it's just, it's still uh, catching up. And I think as, uh, I, I think there's a long, long way to go yet. And I do like what you said about the, the, the emotional connection that people make with podcasts because you do get to hear the voice. And I'll tell you something, which has been a constant surprise in learning to me, is that I'll say things on the podcast I would never say on a blog post or even say on a video because I get lost in this conversation with my co-host Tom Webster and we're just talking and you know riffing on something. And, and all of us all think, oh man, I can't believe I said that. I mean, you're, pub you're publishing it. Um, but so I think there is an emotional connection to that. And I think it is more intimates in some ways than, than other forms of, uh, of, uh, publishing. And I love seeing that side of you. It's, it's hilarious. I mean, you guys were talking about like escort services and one of them. And I know just, it's like, we're, we're, like, we're, we're certainly <laughs> plowing new ground with that one. <laughs> I love it. I just, it just exposes you to various sides of, you know, someone's personality. And speaking of random sides of people's personalities, we share a love for a really random band. What, what band is that? Can you guess? Can you guess it? No. I can't remember. We you probably can't. talked about it when we met at South by Southwest, but I can't remember. Yeah, they're the National. Oh, the National. Oh, my gosh, I love them. They're one of my top five bands, I would say. I know they are. <laughs> So um, I'm just curious, what is it about this band that speaks to you and maybe share one of your favorite songs by them and, and why? 
Well, first of all, uh, I, I just love the overall tone of their music. I love the the I love the lead singer's voice, the 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 deep and the, to- the deepness and the tonality of his voice. And his voice has actually improved, I think, as he's gotten older. So much, um, yeah, Matt Berninger. Mm-hmm. But you know, some of the lyrics of the songs. They're just simply uh, poetry. And I've got a uh, nephew who wants to be a musician, and he, he had never heard of The National. And so I was driving around in the car, and I said, I want you to listen to some songs. So I played a few songs for him. And one of the songs, the, the, the refrain was, uh, oh, gosh, you probably know it better than I do. It was, um, uh, you know, I dreamed of you. Uh, for, 29 for 29 years, years. you know I, I, and what's what's the second part of that I've dreamed for you for 29 years for 29 years before I, I saw you before I saw you mm-hmm. and I said the guy's probably 29 when he wrote it I said that's that's not just a song I mean that's poetry and 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 he didn't he didn't muddy the water he he kept repeating that phrase because that's enough you know, that's enough. And so I, I, I liked that simplicity. I liked the honesty. And, and I mean, they're, they're great songwriters. That song blows me away. It's mm-hmm. uh, Slow Show, I think, is the name of it. Slow Show. That's exactly right. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. The depth mm-hmm. and, and meaning behind the lyrics and their songs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, thanks so much for sharing that. You know, they, they probably really haven't uh, made a song that I don't like. I mean, there's not too many bands that you, you can make that claim. What does the future work look like for you? I know you mentioned that you're traveling to a ton of really awesome places. You're going to New Zealand. You're going to Fiji. You're going to India, Denmark, Finland. Um, you're traveling a lot in the coming months. Um, what, what is going to be involved in this type of work that you're doing, and, and what are you most excited about in the future? Well, the, I mean, the work varies. It might be consulting or speaking or workshops. I'm doing a little bit of all of that. Um, I mean, my favorite part of my job really is to meet these people that I've connected with over the web, maybe in some cases for years. Uh, when I go to Denmark, um, I'm going to meet this really awesome guy. He's a professor at the University of Denmark. And for the last two years, I've been Skyping into his classes. Uh, He uses my books as texts in his classes. And there's a graduate class in journalism. And I mean, he's an an amazing thinker. And so we've been talking about ways that we could collaborate. And so we kind of got this idea. And I've got you know, two other friends in Denmark. I said, let's get together and have a call and talk about ways that we can work together. So they're coming together, they're collaborating, and they're bringing me to Denmark, and I'm going to do a series of speeches over there. And that, to me, is almost miraculous, that we live in this wonderful time that these people that start as these weak little signals on Twitter someplace can turn into these powerful relationships that it gets back to that word again, love, that that drives this loyalty, that that drives this connection. It's the pulse. It's really the strongest pulse that goes through the the web. And, uh, you know, I'm going to get to meet these people for the first time, get to work with these people for the first time. And what an amazing and uh, historically important time that we uh, live in to be able to do something like that. Speaking of Pulse Online, where can listeners find your Pulse Online? <laughs> uh, it's pretty easy. Everybody, You can find everything at businessesgrow.com. And uh, you can find my blog, my podcast, my books, 
and lots of free resources that can help people and businesses of any size. So I would love to stay in touch with people and, and stay connected. You can find all my social media connection points there and uh, come and visit with me and stay in touch. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me today, Mark. I love talking with you. My pleasure, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to The Art of Humanity. Please follow us on Twitter at It's Jessica Ann. Join us next week with your host, Jessica Ann. Evolve your business with The Art of Humanity.